for tuning in to the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast, where we share biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Meredith Brock, and I am here with a new guest co-host. I'm excited for y'all to meet her. Welcome to the show, Megan Ryan. Hey, everyone. Now, no, no, I have to clear something up right at the beginning, because I'm sure our listeners had the same reaction when I heard your name for the first time, Megan Ryan. And maybe they thought, wait a minute, does she go by Meg Ryan? And does she love you've got mail? (laughs) Um, So in the spirit of getting to know a new voice around here, let's take a minute to let you properly introduce yourself, Megan. First things first, what's your reaction when someone calls you Meg? So it's not my preference. I will (laughs) respond to it. Um, I think in like high school, boys used to call me Meg as like a teasing thing. And I didn't love that. But Mm. now as I am much later in my adult years, they, uh, the name Meg is like endearing if people call me that. So if you ask me if I prefer to be called Meg or Megan, I prefer Megan. But if you call me Meg, I will accept that. Okay. Good to know. I don't think I've ever called you Meg. So I'm feeling the kind of good. The first time you met me, you did. I and called you Meg. Quickly- <laughs> she remembers, folks. She remembers. <laughs> we quickly pivoted. Okay, good. I'm glad to know that. I'm really glad to know that. Okay, so tell our listeners, what do you do at Proverbs 31 and how long have you been with us here at the ministry? So I am a promotional copywriter, which if you don't know what that means, that means I write marketing content. So if you've ever gotten an email about one of our studies or you look at any of the stuff on our website homepage that's usually written by me. And I've been here for a little over two years now. And you say I have been here at the ministry. Did you move geographical locations to be a part of the ministry? I did indeed. So I currently live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I moved from a small beach town in the Florida Panhandle. If you've ever heard of 30A, it's not a town, it's a road, but people like to call the town by the road's name. Um, (laughs) And so I lived there before moving to Charlotte. Can all can all the listeners on here just pause a moment and say, what a life. What a life to live at 30A, Megan. We're all jealous. Spoiled rotten. <laughs> what a life. Okay. So final, last and final question. What's your idea of the very best day ever? So naturally, it's going to be on the beach, as mm. you heard where I am from. Um, but really, if I could be a nice sunny day on the beach with a good book and great friends, hanging out in the water, having great deep life conversations, that is my idea of a best day ever. Sounds pretty great to me, too. I love it. Yes. Well, now that I'm officially a co-host, I'm excited to get to announce our topic and guest today. Uh, Kendra Legrand is a good friend of mine personally, and she is on our ministry studies team. So she is here to give us a teaching on singleness and what finding contentment in that season looked like for her. And it's not often we talk about something like this on the podcast. And as someone who is single, I'm glad we're setting aside time in this episode to dig into it. And um, as you'll hear, even though Kendra is married now, I know I've personally learned so much from her on this topic over the course of our friendship, and I can't wait for our listeners to gain some wisdom from her too. Okay. And I want to recognize at the top of the episode, we say this podcast is biblical truth for any girl in any season. And some of you might be thinking, hold up, Mare, this is not my season. So why do I need to listen? I'm going to go ahead and turn off the podcast right now. Don't you do it, because I'm here to tell you that I think it's really important 
that you listen to this because as a body of believers, one thing we're called to do is live in community with one another and developing community sometimes means investing into those who may or may not be in the same season as you. But overall, as the body of Christ, we are a diverse group of people and are better when we have context for what someone else is walking through. So what Kendra is about to share might not necessarily apply to the season you're in right now, but I promise you, if you hold on, listen to the whole episode, you're going to be able to love your friends better. But also at the very end, we have a great discussion about what it looks like to build spiritual muscles in different seasons that are going to serve you in the next season applies to any season that you're in. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Kendra. We are so excited to have our friend Kendra Legrand on the show with us today. Kendra, will you tell us a little about yourself and what you do here at Proverbs 31? Yes, Meredith, I would love to. So I am an Ohio girl gone Southern. I moved to North Carolina about six and a half years ago. And um, once I moved here, I actually started working at Proverbs. And I'm now the senior manager of the First Five app and our online Bible studies team. And so it's a lot of fun to create content and help those teams. And my two favorite things, I have a lot of favorite things, but my two favorite things that I think are fun to talk about is I love cutting a rug on the dance floor and I love kettle cooked chips. <laughs> so that's just a little bit about me. I'm sure you'll learn more as I give the teaching today, but those are just- I love that. <laughs> I love that, Kendra. And I just want to say- if anyone listening doesn't like either one of those things, I question your sanity. That's Both of those things are delightful gifts from God. Yeah. Yes. I can attest to your cutting the rug on a dance floor. Um, it's quite the experience. But today, Kendra is on the show to share a message about finding contentment in a sing- season of singleness. And we can't wait to hear what you have to share with us, Kendra. So off to you. Thank you. All right. So I shared a few fun facts about me, about dancing and about kettle cooked chips. But something that you should know about me before we begin is I am married. And I say this because I remember what it was like as a single person hearing someone who was married speak about the season of life I was struggling with the most. And while they may have made some great points, I couldn't help but think, good for you, but what about me? And so as we talk about if contentment is really possible in a singleness season, I want you to know that I understand the perspective of the girl who has prayed for God to give her the desire of her heart to be married, but I'm also very sensitive to know that in your eyes, I may not remember everything about the season that I walked through. And here's what I hope will happen as we go through this podcast episode together. I hope you hear someone who understands you. And I hope you walk away knowing there is a purpose to the season, even though it may feel hard, lonely, and sometimes extremely long. So as I was preparing for this podcast episode, I pulled out an old journal of mine, and I wish that I could see you in person and show you because it's red leather, which sounds super fun, but it's super weathered and tethered and very well loved. And I was flipping through pages and pages of this journal, and it is filled to the brim about that season of my life. There are things like what I wanted to accomplish in my season of singleness. There are letters to my future husband. I don't know if anybody else has ever written letters to your future husband, but I have 
tons of them written in this journal. And then there were also things that were just filled with desperation and heartbreak and confusion because I was a girl who desired something so deeply and I didn't understand why God was not answering that prayer. I asked things in this journal like, did I miss my opportunity? Am I being punished? Did God forget about me? And if this is you, I completely understand, and I wish we could be together on a couch or in a coffee shop and talk about such a tender topic. All right, so now that you know that I am married, I think it's also important that you know I grew up in the church. And this is a very important detail because I think I misunderstood a few things that were implied in the church growing up, which caused me to believe things like, marriage is the ultimate goal as a Christian, or you're not fully complete until you get married, or marriage is a guarantee no matter who you are. And these things are not true. So if you believe them or if you ever struggled with them as well, I'm here to tell you that um, you are already fully complete who you are. You don't need a man to complete you. And marriage isn't a guarantee, which may sound like a wah-wah, but there is, there's good things that will come from that that we'll talk about in a little bit. And um, coming to grips with these things and what I struggled with growing up in the church, I think has helped me especially talk um, about the season of singleness, but also um, helped me be a little more content when I was walking through it. So let's talk a little bit. Um, let's go to the Bible, shall we? Because I think that's really important to do. So we are going to start in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. So let me read that to you guys. It says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And as my friend Wendy Blight was reading through what I wanted to share to you guys today, she told me that anytime something is mentioned twice in Scripture or multiple times in Scripture— we should pay attention because it's very important. And so Meredith or Megan, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. And was there anything repeated? Was there a verse or a phrase repeated in Philippians that I just read? And what was it? Uh, Learning to be content. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. So it says, I've learned the secret of being content. And then I have learned to be content. And so that's very important. Obviously, the writer Paul of Philippians wanted to make sure that we we saw that. Um, but first, let's unpack the word content of what it means in this verse. And so content means sufficient for oneself, strong enough or possessing enough to need no aid or support, or independent of external circumstances. So off the bat, we see that it's possible to be content because it's not dependent on ex- external circumstances like if we're married or not. While that sounds great, and if you could see me, I'm giving two thumbs up to the mic, <laughs> that's really <laughs> hard to live out. Because I remember when I would get on Facebook and I would see a friend's relationship status change because it always puts it right in front of you, I feel like. When you struggle with something, it's always very prominent. Or when I would get on Instagram and I would be scrolling and I saw another friend get engaged. It's really hard to live this out. But then we can take a deeper look at the word content and what it means in this verse. And so we're going we're gonna to bring it back to the Greek, which is fun to do. And so the word content here in the Greek is... Art- 
artarkis. So artarkis. <laughs> and it means that we are satisfied because we're living in God's content or his fullness. The contentedness we can experience in any situation is God produced, not self produced. So we can have, we can live content in good times or in bad times, and we can be content and satisf- satisfied because we are living in God's contentedness. So ultimately, what this boils down to is it's up to us to make the choice to be content, but it's through God that we can actually live content. It's a purposeful decision we can make every day, and luckily, we don't have to do it alone, which is always good. All right, so now that we know it's possible to find contentment in singleness, um, I think it's important that I share with you three things that I really struggled with in my season of singleness, because I have a feeling that maybe you have thought something similar a time or two. All right, so number one, something that I struggled with is the whole idea of feeling like I did something wrong that caused me to be single for as long as I was. So I'm here to tell you, number one, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't miss the boat. You didn't take a wrong turn. You didn't cause yourself to be single. Um, Something that happens to me a lot, and I don't know if it's how I'm wired or what it is, but I spiral in the what ifs of life. Um, what if I was supposed to go to this college over this college? What if I was supposed to take this job opportunity instead of this job opportunity? And what I have come to realize is the more that I that I spiral in the what ifs and the what if I did something wrong to cause what's going on in my life right now, the more I miss what's going on right now. And the right now, what's right in front of us and, and where we are right now is really important. There's something that God has for each and every one of us where we are right now. It could be to spend more time with Him. It could be to encourage a friend through a text. It could be to use our giftings to serve at church or to serve the homeless. And there's something in the right now. We just need to recognize what it might be. And when we spiral in the what ifs and what if I did something wrong that caused the situation, we can miss that right now. All right. So number two, singleness is not a punishment. And so I remember when I was in the peak of my singleness season and people, a few people would tell me, well, singleness is such a gift. And while that might be true, and we're going to actually look at scripture that kind of backs that up a bit. That doesn't necessarily sound good, and when you're in that season of singleness, it can be really hard to feel like it is a gift, especially when you desire to be married so much. So um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8, and then we're going to get more context around the verse because it's not going to sound great right at first. So 1 Corinthians 7, chapter 7, verse 8 says this, It is good for them to be unmarried. And that's where I think the whole idea of singleness as a gift stems from because the Bible says, well, it's good if people are unmarried, right? Well, if we go to verse 34, there's more context that kind of helps the verse come alive a bit. And it says this, And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. And so... What this is saying is somebody who is married, they are called to love, serve, and honor their husbands. 
And we, no matter who we are, are also called to love, serve, and honor the Lord. And so when you're married, your focus and your attention and your time is split sometimes between how to honor, serve, and love your husband and how to honor, love, and serve the Lord. Well, when you are single or you are unmarried, you have more time to focus on love, serving, and honoring the Lord, which ultimately will help um, your relationship with Him flourish, right? You have more time to dedicate to the Lord rather than being worried about other things going on. And so um, that's how we can look at singleness as a gift, and it's not a punishment by understanding what this verse is saying, even though I understand sometimes that's really hard to live out, especially when you desire something so much. And then the third thing that I um, would constantly think about when I was in my season of singleness is that single Um, that single was second best compared to those who were married. And I'm here to tell you that single is not second best. Um, I mentioned earlier about how I grew up thinking that I was not fully complete until I got married. Um, I would even stop myself from doing certain things like dreaming of buying a home because I thought I had to be married to do that. Like I didn't even think it was possible for me to buy a home when I was single, which is not true. Um, And so I thought single was second best so much so that I would manipulate situations or relationships to try to make them work so I could reach the epitome, um, which would be marriage. And newsflash, manipulating things or manipulating situations does not work and usually makes things worse. And so it wasn't until 2016 when I took a a year off of dating completely that I learned I was more focused on finding an earthly love, which would mean finding a husband, than I was on an eternal love, which was the Lord. And once I realized this, I learned that singleness is far from second best. In fact, It's exactly where God had me because there was something in it for me. Very similar to the whole idea of there's something in the right now. And it helped me realize that no one journey, single, married, kids, no kids, older, younger, is better. We all have our own life beautifully crafted by God for us to use our unique giftings that He has given us. We all have certain people that we can influence that God puts in our lives. And we all have different skills that we can work on and gifts to use. And so after those three things, after I kind of reconciled them and kind of flipped them on their head to realize that they are not true, it brings me to the point of, okay, so what can we do right now? That all sounds great, but I know this one podcast on singleness isn't going to ease the ache of your disappointment for where you are if you are disappointed in singleness. And so what I would say for all of us, no matter if we're married or not, it would be the simple act of adding purpose to our season. In Maddie Pruitt's book, Maddie Pruitt was, um, she was on The Bachelor. If you have ever watched The Bachelor, she was on the season with Pilot Pete. Um, She wrote a book and it's called Made for This Moment. And she says, what I am waiting on is not as valuable as the person I am becoming in the meantime. And so the question I would ask is, what purpose do you see in your current season of singleness? And when I was, when I took the year off dating in 2016, I felt the Lord whisper or prompt my heart, something very similar to that question. And I felt him say, what would I miss if the Lord took me out of this season right now? 
And as I looked around and as I pondered that question as I was single, I felt like he told me to really focus on this group of people that I was doing life with and that I would need to encourage them now because eventually they would not be the people in my life who I would be able to encourage every day. So I could really focus my time in my singleness season to really encourage them. And so what I would, I want to ask you, Megan, because I know that you are single. Um, what purpose do you see in your current season of singleness that you can see right now? I think um, I love that question that Maddie Pruitt asked in her book. Cause I think often if I wasn't single right now, I'd be missing out on so much. Um, I'd miss out on the friends that I get to spend time and invest in that I can give my full attention to. I'm not making plans around other people. Um, and I get to, uh, just serve the Lord. Like it says in that verse in Corinthians, like I get to give my undivided attention to that. And I think at this time I'll be turning 30 this year. And so I think I get to just, uh, really pour into younger girls and give a lot of my time and attention to that. And that's what I want to focus on because I think often the Lord prompts me of what if this all ended tomorrow? Like what if today was the last day you got to live out your single of singleness season? Um, and so I think that's the purpose I'm finding in this season right now. And Megan, I would say you're really good at doing that because you're not somebody that just walks the walk. You actually talk the talk too. And, and I've seen you get involved in um, those that might be in their younger 20s and help encourage them. So I see you do that, which is really neat. But I know this podcast isn't going to change your relationship status. I am well aware of that. But I do know it's possible to find contentment where you are and where we are. And I know there's something good that will come through whatever we're walking through. And so um, I just wanted to encourage you with that. But something about me that you should know is I also like to have a little fun and, and give things a little twist. And so um, to end our time together, uh, I actually pulled some of my Instagram followers and I asked everyone whether they're single or married. I said, when you are single or if you are single, what is something that people would say to you that did not help your situation? And so I call this segment what not to say to your single friend. <laughs> we love and then, it. Megan, if you guys have any thoughts as I read I'm it. here for it. I'm ready because I feel like this is going to be really educational for me. Yes, yes. All right. So there's there were a lot, but I kind of boiled them down to the six phrases that we should probably not say to our single friends. Um, number one, you're so young. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's a tough one. I worry all the time. All right. Number two, I can't believe you're still single. And yes. when I was single and I heard that, I would be like, I can't either. <laughs> I don't know if that shows like a pride issue, but I could I was like, I know, I agree. Um, the third one is you will meet the right person eventually. You have to be patient. Uh, number four, it'll happen when you stop looking. That one makes I me roll my eyes the most. I just oh, don't know how to stop looking for something, you know? <laughs> All right. And then two more. It will happen in God's timing. And then enjoy single life while you can. Relationships are hard. So that is what not to say to your single friends. But don't worry, we're not going to stay there, everybody, because mm. we have some things that we can actually say to our single friends or that'll also help us be there for them in their season of singleness that hopefully will help. So those things are, uh, number one, I'm going to set you up, but not just say you're going to set them up, actually do it. 
And okay. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in this one because it happened for me. My friend Maddie, um, who works at Proverbs, set me up with my now husband. And so it worked. Wow. It worked. I know. Um, number two, something to say to your single friends or, or help them through is ask them what their dreams and passions are that God has placed on their heart. Because that'll kind of help focus on what the Lord is doing in them right now, which is always a gift. Um, the third thing is let them know how much you value them with or without someone. Mm. Number four, invite them to dinner. And um, Megan, I want you to speak into this one because when you told me this one about, you know, invite your single friends to dinner, you said specifically, but don't forget them on Friday nights or Sunday afternoons. And so why would you say those two dates specifically? Okay. So I feel like as a single person, there's a lot of pressure on weekends to like have fun things to do. Mm -hmm. And especially on Friday nights, you kind of finish up your week and it's almost you're sitting at home on Friday night alone feeling like, is everyone else out doing something except for me because I'm single? Uh, so that's why Friday nights are a great time to invite your single friends to do something. And then Sunday afternoons, if you think about going to church on Sunday morning and church can sometimes be very family focused and we are a fa the family of God and a family of believers. Mm -hmm. But then afterwards, everyone goes home with their families or goes to lunch with their family and you kind of just go home and go, all right, well, I guess I'll just be here and get ready for the week. And so I think Sunday afternoons after church, keeping those people in mind and inviting them alongside what your family is doing is a great time to invest in your single friends. That's great perspective, Megan. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Um, and then the last thing I would say of what to say to your single friends or how to be there for them is don't shy away from the topic of singleness because it's not like you're going to remind them that they're single. Uh, I had somebody really close to me, um, lose someone close to her, her grandmother. And I remember when I was like shying away from the topic because I didn't want to bring it up and make her really sad or uncomfortable. And she said, it's not like I forgot that my grandma passed away. And so mm -hmm. I look at it very similar to this of, it's not like you're going to remind your single friend that they're single if it's something they struggle with. So yeah. if you enter into the topic, it might even be a breath of fresh air for them to open up and let them know what they're struggling with. So there you go. There you have it, everybody. What to say and what not to say to your single friends. I love it, Kendra. So good. I mean, I am really grateful for the little insiders of what not to say, because I feel certain I've said some of those things. I'm so sorry, all my single friends. I want to apologize to all of you. I sometimes let my words run out of my mouth too quickly. Um, but I am really, really grateful for all the wisdom, really, that both of you have to bring to this subject. It's been a long time for me, y'all, since I've even thought about this. I mean, my husband and I have been married for 15 years, so it has been a long time since I've thought, man, there is this whole group of people that are part of the body of Christ that I need to know how to love, mm -hmm. you know, and I need mm -hmm. to, to acknowledge the place that they're at. One of the things that really stood out in my mind, Kendra, in your teaching, and I actually wrote it down just because I thought it was really profound, is that the concept of contentedness. Mm -hmm. And you you looked up that the Greek word meaning, and there was a part of it that really stood out to me because I think it applies to every season that we're in. It's true of your single season, and it's really true of your married season too. And here's here's what you said. It said the definition of contentedness was we are satisfied because we are living in God's content or His fullness. Um. And I think when you said that, I really was reflecting on 
my season of marriage mm-hmm. and can honestly say that I think oftentimes I think people enter into marriage thinking, okay, now I'm going to be happy. Mm-hmm. I've got this person and I'm no longer single. And so now I'm going to be happy. And this is going to bring the contentment that I've been looking for my whole life. And then you get into marriage and there's all this pressure on the spouse to be and fulfill you as your center of contentedness. And y'all, that is no foundation for any marriage. And so I love that your teaching really centered on that. Like you've got to find your contentment in God, in your relationship with Him, in His love for you, in order to really enjoy your season of singleness. And I think the fruit of that foundation Mm-hmm. will serve you so well in marriage too, yeah. you know, because then the other person is like a cherry on top of your life rather than the center of your universe, right. you right. know? And so I want to ask you some practical things for our friends listening. What does it look like? Like, I love that you referenced the Maddie Pruitt quote and like finding the purpose in this season, but give me some like, what does it look like really and truly, Kendra? In those days, and Megan, like you're living this right now. Mm -hmm. I think we can apply this to our married friends too, to everybody and say, what does it really look like to find contentment in the Lord? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And definitely on, on, there's going to be days where it's easy and days when it's really, really hard. I think something that helped helped me with the whole idea of being content when I was single was when I actually spoke up about it. Because mm. for a long time, I did not want to be known as the single friend. I did not want to like have pity on me because I was single. Um, and so I think once I started bringing very trusted people in and let them know of my struggle, I think it allowed the doors to open for them to either remind me who I was in Christ or mm. just have somebody to talk to about it. Yeah. I think it helped a lot because it brought their perspective, but also they brought truth in with it. That's so good, Kendra, because I will hold on. I'm going to jump in real sec. And Megan, then I want you to speak is because I can say the same thing is true of being in a relationship as well. Because let's look at it this way. Let's say Mac and I are uh, in a huge argument and I think he's just being the most difficult person and why can't he meet my needs, mm-hmm. right? If I, and now I'm so discontent in my marriage. I'm so discontent because he's not doing what I think he should be doing. And if I have people that I'm in community with that are going to point me back to Jesus and scripture, I can go to them and say, oh, I'm really struggling. Mac and I are working through this thing. And it's, I really think they're going to say, Meredith, you're finding your contentment in Mac mm-hmm. <laughs> and him doing what you want him to do rather than trusting the Lord, uh, finding your satisfaction in Jesus. You know, so, this so that's so good. Going to community. That's a really, really great way. Practical pointer, I think. Kendra, what about you, Megan? Um, This may not be as practical, but I think just remembering that contentment and desire are not mutually exclusive. Mm. Um, We can have a desire to want to be in a different season, whether that's you're married and you want kids or you have young kids and you want them to get out of the toddler stage or you're ready for (laughs) a new season of life. Um, If you're just looking for something else, desire is not bad. They're all over the word. I think about in Psalm, like delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He's aware that we have desires. Finding contentment in where we are does not mean that we don't have desires for something else. It's kind of what we do with those desires and how we let them drive 
what we think about God, how we interact with other people. Um, and the reality is we are going to live in a sense of discontentment until we mm. are with Christ again. Yeah. Um, and so I think even just remembering your desire to be in a different season is not a bad thing. The Lord is mm. very aware that we have desires and he longs to give us those desires, but we can find contentment while still being in want, like that verse in Philippians says. Wow. Megan, I want you to go back to that first thing that you said. What what was it? Contentment Content- and go ahead. Contentment and desire are not mutually exclusive. Whoo, girl, because I'm here to tell you right now, I would my, the desire of my heart is that my daughter would not wake up at 5.30 in the morning every day. That is the desire of my heart. But that's not the season I'm in. She's She wakes up every day at 5.30 and comes to my bed and says, Mommy, you know, and needs me to do something for her. But I recognize I'm still, I'm still very content in this season. Even though I'm very sleepy in this season, I'm very content. And the thing that I love about all of this, and I hope our listeners are hearing this, is that in every season, every season that we're in, whether it's singleness, whether it's being married, whether it's now being married with young kids, whether it's even in the stage of, you know, separation or widowed, or there's so many seasons, you're developing muscles, mm-hmm. spiritual muscles that will serve you in the next season. And that's what we need to be reaching out and trying to grasp in the season that we're in and saying, okay, what spiritual muscles can I develop right now? And I love, Kendra, that you're saying in singleness, this contentedness muscle, this leaning into the Lord to be your satisfaction while also holding the tension of wanting right. a desire of a new season. It's beautiful. That's a, that is a muscle, a spiritual muscle that will serve you well in the next season of your life, no matter what that might look like. So good stuff, you guys, really good stuff. Megan, did you have any thoughts or anything else you wanted to add? Uh, Kendra, thank you so much for just being willing to share. Um, And I know that I'm going to speak to the skeptic. Kendra's been married for a year. I've watched her walk through dating and navigating um, the season of getting married and just uh, your heart to not only... um, step into like what you've gone through, but to pass that along to other people. I just want to thank you so much for doing that. I've appreciated that in real life friendship. And I hope that our listeners will appreciate that too. Thanks, Mm, Megan. You've been a big advocate. So thank you. Well, thank you for coming on the show today, Kendra. This was such a helpful teaching and I'm sure our listeners agree. But before we let everyone go, we have just a few announcements to get you connected to what's going on here at Proverbs 31. Yes. So Kendra mentioned she's part of our online Bible studies team at Proverbs. And if you've never participated with us in a study, we want to get you connected. Our online Bible studies team does a few studies every year. Uh, They pick a variety of topics. They're about four to six weeks long. And each study is a little different on how they look or what topic is covered. But one thing we can guarantee is that there are plenty of options to stay connected and feel like you're a part of a movement of women who are journeying through the same book or Bible study together. So thank you to the power of the internet and social media for making that possible. And y'all, the studies are absolutely free to join. And so if you're interested in joining our next study or our current study, get more information by visiting us at proverbs31.org slash study. And lastly, if you are listening to this in real time, then a very special day is coming up, and that is Mother's Day. Um, One of my favorite things Proverbs 31 Ministries offers through our online bookstore at Proverbs31bookstore.com is an intentional 
curated product collection to help you find something meaningful for the woman you're celebrating this year. Maybe it's not your mom. Maybe it's your aunt. Maybe it's your sister. Um, It could be a lot of just meaningful women in your life that you want to celebrate. And we want to help you find just the right gift. So um, we've got you covered. Go check out our Mother's Day collection at p31bookstore.com. Well, that's all we've got for you today, friends. Thank you so much for joining us at Proverbs 31 Ministries. We believe when you know the truth and live the truth, it changes everything.